Welcome to Everything House Music and More. And my special guest today is the one and only Mr. Byron Burke from Ten City. Byron, what's going on, brother? What's up? What's up? What's up, Momo? Hey, man, it's great <laughs> to see you, brother. Likewise. I mean, it was, man, I just just lit up, man, just seeing you at the Chosen Few Picnic, man, this, this, this month. You know, it's funny. I was not going to go at all. Like, you know what? I'm working on these other projects in Chicago and... My guy, Chef Ballard, he was like, right. man, bro, I want to go. I want to go. Can you, can you get me in? Right. I don't know, bro. But then all the stuff I'm working on, I say, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to show up and everything. Well, good, man. So, I, And when I saw you, I was like, I got to get you on the show, brother. <laughs> got to get you on the show. And you were the second person I saw when I walked in outside of, no, third person. Okay. So, because when I got to the, the VIP gate, right. uh ran to... Uh, um, Kurt Townsend. Kurt Townsend. He yep. gave us a pass. Give him right. a pass. Give yep. him a pass on. <laughs> right. And then he scores us back to the VIP area. Okay. Then I ran to Robbie, the promoter from New York. Right. And then you the third one. All right. <laughs> Three. That's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. So you, you ready to get into it, brother? Yes, sir. Let's do this. All right. So let's go. So B, were you connected to the house culture before connecting to house and the genre? And if so, how did you get introduced? So... This goes back to when I was about 12 or 13. I was um, going to Frederick Douglass Junior High School out in the west side of Chicago. Okay. And Sean Rob... Now, I was playing trumpet in junior high school. Okay. So, my thing was, you know, because this guy named Arthur who was uh, played trumpet in, and when I first got there, he played like Chuck Mangione. It's okay. amazing. Right. So... That got me into that space, and then Sean Robinson, who was the youngest DJ on the west side of Chicago... Uh, my sister Valencia used to hang out with Sean's sister, okay. uh, Sabrina Robinson, and Sabrina Robinson dated Terrible Ted. Ah, okay, okay from the West Side. So from the West Side. So Ted was teaching Sean how to mix. So I think one day my sister took me over to the house, and that's when you know I, I met Sean Robinson, uh, and he had the eleven hundred turn techniques. Ah, uh, yeah. So the, I'm the like, classics, right? I'm like, what? the hell is this right so i'm seeing sean little jerry cool jerry curl dude <laughs> dunger than me just right. rocking them 1100s i'm like damn now at the time what, what what type of music was he playing he was playing um he's playing stuff i mean because this of course michael jackson's bd was out or beat billy jean okay he was playing a lot of the um craft work okay gotcha, um, gotcha. you know the vinyls and stuff like that right. so um, what's that? Uh, dance rock. Uh, uh, you got yeah, yeah, divine, divine, Na- rock, yeah. Calling all boys, you know okay. all that. So one nineteen. So you playing all that? All that stuff. Okay. So I would go over to his house, and you know, as if he allowed me to get on turntables to begin to learn. Right. And then my cousin who uh, passed away, he died of AIDS. Uh, I could say ninety four, ninety five. Okay. He bought my first. Set of turntables was the the, uh, the uh, Technic SBL tens, the bell uh, driven. Yeah, the bell driven. Yeah. yeah. And so, what year was this when you first started DJ? What year was this? So, we looking at 82, 83. Okay. 82, 83. Okay. So, the, so, what people don't know, you was a DJ first. I was a DJ first. See, there you go. I was a DJ first right. and a dancer. Okay. Because as a kid, you know, with my sister being in the fashion scene and, right. and being around uh, the, the, those in the life, if they so to speak. Yes. Um, she would bring home the mixtapes from like Frankie Knuckles and okay. stuff like that. So her and her friends would be dancing. I was learning, catching, and dance. So I started off as a dancer first, 
And if you fast forward to like when dance was really popular in the uh, mid 80s, like 84, 85, right. I was Mr. Shy, the Shy Boys on the West Side. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, so you, I, was, you was. So back then. What what was the term of dancing? They went was they jacking back then? Was they... it was jacking? Okay. It was just, you know jacking you know whatever right you right, know? right right but yeah I was Mister Shy of the Shy Boys for the West Side so our comp- competition was the Bad Boys okay so that was the progression dance trumpet right. DJing, DJing and then began to you know okay formulate all those things formulate all those things together so let me ask you this did you ever go to the warehouse or power plant or music back back then? I never went to the music box. And you talking about the power plant that was on, was it on Halstead? Because I know, I believe it was one on Halstead yeah. near Cabrini Green. Well, I, I can't get the address. I'll, I'll make sure I'll get the correct address. But the one just Frankie was spinning at, that was definitely his club. No, I never in the warehouse. The power plant, no. So- Sawyer Sowers. So- yeah, Sawyer Sowers, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I went there. I went to the music box. I want to say maybe once or twice, and the time I did goes with Byron Stingley and Marshall Jefferson. Okay, and I think we had just finished doing "Fix It, Man." Oh wow! Under Ragtime, okay, right? Or I can't stay away. Okay, it was one or two, and, and Frankie, because I mean, and Ron stayed there. Right, and he got up, let us in. He, all right, what you got? You know, dropped it. Oh, I'm playing that night, and I think that I know that night. Right. It was my first time meeting Ron Hardy. Okay. And he dropped, like I said, it was Fix It Man. I'm kind of leaning towards I Can't Stay Away. Right, right. That he played. Okay. And then later on that evening, we just hung out and he just rocked that. Okay, so being your musical background, you say you're playing trumpet. How long did you play trumpet for? Um, I played trumpet pretty much during my junior high school term. Okay. And then I, you know, got away from it and I picked it back up with 10 City because I played trumpet on... Um, all I want. Okay. Uh, for the I think the second album. Right. Uh, play trumpet on that, and then being in the band, um, you know, you you learn because I was when you cut when I came in, I was like in, in an orchestra. You know, you get different right. sections yep, first, first exactly. seat, first section, or whatever. Right. So I eventually made it to first street, first seat, first trumpet, trumpet, right? And then you get an idea of the different sections yeah. and charting and stuff okay. like that. So. If anybody look at like the, my, my instrumental string section, right. that's how I was able to do that with keyboards and everything. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so let, let's go into this. How did you meet Byron Stingley? Okay, so this was, I would say, 86 maybe. Now, okay. at that time, I'm looking at all the guys from the South Side make, DJing and making records. Like, you know what? Fuck this. Right. If they can do it, I can do it. So who were some of those guys at that time? So you had Tyree Cooper. Okay. You had um, Steve doing stuff. Steve Hurley. Of course, Jesse Saunders. uh, Farley. Okay. Um, Who else you had around that time? Mike Dunn. Right. And I didn't realize that those guys are older than me. Yeah. So I'm thinking, he was always like the same age and stuff. Oh, man, forget that. I'm going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... So that was the inspiration. Uh, to like, you know what? I'm gonna stop spinning records and begin to pursue to make records. Okay. So my last party that I said it's gonna be my last party to DJ right. was over on the west side off of Chicago Avenue. 
a few blocks, I want to say, east of Cicero. Okay. And it was a, a old, used to be a bakery. Okay. But it converted into like rehearsal studios, work on cars, stuff like that. So Byron Stingley right. was with this band called Dead Seven. Dead Seven. Dead okay. Seven, all right. Okay. And the guy who created the group, from my understanding, his father passed away. He had got like a nice insurance policy. Of the Dead Seven, yeah. yeah. And he was a major fan of Prince in the Revolution. Okay. So he took the name of Dez. He's a bass player. And, and, and so Byron Stingley was doing Prince Minneapolis music. Ah, okay. So if you Google Dead Seven, Funny Love, right. that came out on Trax Records. That's Dez, D-E-Z-Z. Yep. Right, Dez. Yep. That's yep. Dez Grant, right? Uh, was that Dez Grant? I don't know if that's Dez Grant. Okay, okay. But he just went by the name of Dez because Dez played the bass with Prince. And gotcha. So, okay. so that's how I met Byron Stingley uh, down there. And okay. I had just, like I said, just decided to stop making records. I want to, uh, I mean, stop, stop spinning, spinning records and right. start making records. And his group was about to break up. And I was just starting my group called B Root Incorporated while I was signed to DJ International Records. Okay. So oh, so you would sign to DJ International Yeah, I signed, I signed with them. Okay. I, I had already signed with them. Oh, wow. Yeah, I signed with And it's a funny thing. <laughs> I got a contract from Rocky. He didn't even hit a record. Really? <laughs> so what, was the record ever put out? Never put out. Never put out. Never put out. So, so I put a clause in the contract. I gotta be in the studio within six months. If not, I, I gotta have record out within a year. If not, this contract is terminated. Right. So it terminated just in time for what to sign a deal with, con- with with Ten City. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> how did Ten City begin then? So Ten City began from the the relationship of me and Byron Stingley coming together because I had, like I said I had, I had just decided to not only make this jump and get in the records doing music, I actually quit school. Right. Dropped out of high school to take this pursuit. So the first day, so when I moved out, so when I got kicked out the house from my father, <laughs> right. I stayed down in the rehearsal spot and Byron Sting just having to come down. And I was working on some tracks or whatever. He just came in the room to start singing. I'm like, man, what's that? I'm just vibing off of you. So that created our first, that, that was the first introduction of me working with Stingley. Okay. Um, and then from there, he introduced me to Marshall Jefferson. Ah, okay. Um, and we did, <clears throat> went in the studio and we did The Truth. Okay. Open Our Eyes. Right. So I was on that one. Uh, Kim Azale Taste My Love. Oh, so oh, so you guys did that right? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and this was all before Ten City. So it's all before. This is what you guys just produced. Yeah, all, all before Ten City. Okay. Uh, and I said, "Yeah, uh, fix it, man. I can't stay away." Um, and then for Fix It, man, Herb Lawson was with this Top Forty band that was right next door to where Dez had his situation. At. Okay. So. We're like, man, we need a good time on this track. Let's get the guy from the next door. So then Herb came down to the studio, and we gave him a lick. He just came down, dropped down. So we call, that's what we started calling Herb, One Take Herb. Right. Um, and then just from that relationship, yeah, you know, say, so you know what? Um, oh, Marshall had took me and Byron Stingley out to New York okay. um, when we were as, as, as um, ragtime. Okay. So we opened up for Marshall at the, we did the Predator's Garage twice. Okay. Right. And at the Predator's Garage, the first night is straight night, the second night is gay night. Right. But after that whole event happened, I flew back to New York, I flew back to Chicago and Byron Stingley and Marshall stayed in New York. And they met with Merlin Bob, who was on WBLS as a DJ and right. also the A&R for Atlantic. Okay. So when they came back, he said, hey, B, this was going on. We can do... 
individual deals. Right. You know, he get a deal, Marshall get a deal, I get a deal. Right. Or we can do a group. And he asked, okay, which route do you want to go? At that time, I was very insecure, nervous. I, you know, I never wanted to be in the forefront. Yeah, so I said, yeah. no, nah, man, let's do a group. Who you want to get? Now, Herb Lawson, like I said, he was with this top 40 band. And when his keyboard, the keyboard player of that band played the keyboards on, I can't play the keyboards on, I want to say Fix It Man and maybe on I Can't Stay Away. Okay. But his attitude and everything was just like way too much. Right. So Byron <laughs> asked me, who would I want to decide to be part of the group? I, he said, God, his name is Guy Sharp. I said, no, no, not him. Right. Herb, yeah. Yeah. And that's how you get Ten City. Wow. So who came up with the name Ten City? So it was a combination of all of us. And what I mean by that, we looked at me and Herb with the music as being intense, powerful, passionate. Right, right. So, and then Marshall and Byron looked at it as being like, a utopia, or if you if you at the uh, Olympics, the perfect score you get is a ten. So we right. get your ten city utopia, right? You know the, the perfect number, yeah, the engine, yeah. everything. So that's the whole thing about ten city. Wow. Okay. So devotion was one of the first songs that I believe you had, and it was the old school like live band type of vibe. What was your thought when you guys first made that song? Well, I'm gonna say Byron and Marshall on that one. Okay. But this is an interesting story about devotion that most people don't know about. The version that everyone is aware of now is not the original version. Really? That's the second version. Okay. So the original version had live bass on it, Marshall singing on it. That motherfucker is raw as a bitch naked. <laughs> I'm telling you, that song is hot. Right. So we sent the two inch to Atlanta, to New York. They said it was lost. So they do that whole motherfucker over again. Oh, so that's why it, instead of all the live bass, it was all keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. Get so the original here. version to me right. is raw. And you still, you don't have a copy don't of it. Don't have a copy of it. Wow. It's on cassette somewhere. Somebody like, yeah, get that man. So so Marshall sang the lead on it first. He sang on it. Yeah. It's okay. cold. Okay. It was nice. I'll tell you, you know, the first time you do it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a vibe thing. Yeah, so so the second one's kind of like, to me, like, it's cool. <laughs> but it did it did what it needed to do. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What makes Ten City a house act and not just a modern disco group? I think what makes Ten City unique is that everyone has their own unique ability. Right. So... Like with my background, like you said, I was someone that you know had an influence on the fashion scene. Or yeah, whatever. because I'm saying I think it was a whole culture because it wasn't just because you was in the house group, you know the way you wore your the clothes you wear, mm -hmm. you know how you was dancing, your hairstyle. Mm -hmm. I think it all tied into the culture. Mm -hmm. So when I when I used to see you and B, I'm like, man, they 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 definitely looked the part. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So how did that come out? Then let's like, let's talk about that. The culture of like with the clothes and everything like that. So I mean, you have to go back to you know Mendel days or you know when we were doing music or whatever, going to clubs. You know, you every social group, right? That I would say that was attractive house music. So you had 
those that were bougie with they eyes eyes right, and the right, K Swiss right. or whatever, they pull up. Then you had your gay your gay circle come up, oops, right, right. you know all that going on. <laughs> then you get your hood niggas that's like, yo man, bandanas. Right, so you got to right. you know so so it's catching the spirit of everybody right. and incorporating into into to one space. Yeah. So for me on the fashion side, like I said, with my sister being in the fashion. Matter of fact, my sister had the when um. Was it Imam or Imani who was on Fashion Fair yeah. at one point? Yeah. She was getting ready to quit. My sister was supposed to take her place. Oh, wow. You know? Okay. So, in, so being around her and just that whole space of fashion right. and everything, right. I incorporate that, you know, to, to, to be able to yeah. do that. Uh, so did you did you bring that to the group also? Yeah, most definitely because okay. Byron, I mean Herb Lawson, guitar guitarist, right. rock group, whatever, right. they not in that space. Byron yeah. Stingley... Prince. Right. <laughs> Don't tell me B, B had B, some yes, purple yes. Yeah. He was like, blouses, shirts. You know he's going to get you for this. Right? I don't give a fuck. Pull up. <laughs> and you know that shit's right. And don't have him look for a picture. Because there's one out there. All that funny love. Don't take your love from me. <laughs> okay, wait. We, we, we tried. We went back. So, what, so what makes Ten City a house act and not just a, di- a modern disco group? Explain it, that. We brought our own unique personality to it. Yeah. The stories we wrote about were real stories. Okay. You know, satis- uh well, so like suspicious. What are you going to do? Yeah. Somebody, girlfriend was out there. Yeah, that's all real stories. Right. It's not some fake facade, okay. you know. Right. And, and then being able to push the record button right. when Byron's singing. Yeah. And it's like, if the story's about him to get that emotion, like, right. I'm motherfucking hell was yeah. So you get that. Yeah. So it's really bringing the authentic out. Yeah. As opposed to just, you That's know, good. we're trying to make a hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just keep it real. Yeah. Because the one thing I know is that sometimes the things that we feel embarrassed about or ashamed of, right. we think we're the only one going through it. Right. But to be vulnerable and just kind of like put it out there. Yeah. You know, you see not the only one that's going through it, but I'm like, man, you know, that song helped me. Yeah. That that yeah, got yeah. me through. You know? Absolutely. <clears throat> so take I, it. Take us to the process of the whole first album of Ten City. What 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 was the feeling like? What was the response? Because I remember when Devotion came out, man, and I, when I first heard it, Frankie had played it because mm-hmm. he played his mix of it, and I swear I thought it was an old disco record mm-hmm. that I ain't never heard of. Mm-hmm. Ran up to the booth when he was playing it, and he was like, "Nah, this is a group from Chicago called Ten City." So take us to the process of that first song developing and <clears throat> while y'all was in the studio. Give me some details about that. Okay, so <clears throat> we recorded that at Chicago Tracks Up North. Um, we had Ron Gresham as one of the engineers. Okay. And like I said, when we get the final product done. Right. Uh, matter of fact, as far as the string players, I believe there were like two or three college students that played the violins. Oh, really? On that, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and as you get into the State of Mind album, that's we use the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. Oh, but wow. but for that one, we used like three college students. They, they might have went to, to college with Byron Stinton because he was going to... Man, it's, it's in Forest Park. Rose, it's Rose something, whatever. In any case, I believe those students came from his, his university. Okay. Um, and then, you know, finally got the final version out to New York. Yeah. Um, now, were, were they uh, acceptable of the album when y'all first turned it in? 
Atlantic. Well, here's the thing: we weren't going, we were not going to even do an album on Atlantic. Oh wow! Yeah, we weren't going. So the deal was, Marlon, uh, Marlon said, Mar- Marlon Bob said, you know what? You guys give me a single, we will try to get you a deal. Right. Did devotion. Ah, uh, you know, give me another single. Uh, so that's when we did right back to you on the flip side. One kiss to make it better. Right. Then they said, you know what? We need another single. You know what? We Island Records want to offer us a deal. Right. So if you're not going to give us an album, we finna go to Island Records. So they really didn't feel it pushing. No, not at all. Like no. Because okay. matter of fact, the the deal Pump Up Divide Mars that was supposed to be our deal. Really? Yeah, they was gonna give us that deal. We oh, turned wow. that down. Wow. So, okay. so they said, you know, you know what, guys, we finna give you eight thousand dollars to do the album. Fine. Right. So we did an album in a month. Okay. It was done. Done, done, So in done. the studio at that time, you, Byron Stingley, Marshall, Marshall okay. Jefferson. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. yep. The four of us. Right. Um, so, yeah, they gave they sent us $8,000. We did in a month and kicked it back at them. And that's the way love is. I remember it was in like June or July because I know it was the summertime. Marshall gave me his Yamaha QX1 sequence, that big, ah, right. ah, did you ever right. mess with that? Yeah. Oh, sure that, that dinosaur sequencer. I had just bought my Roland 707. And I had Marshall's uh, Roland Jakes AP keyboard. Okay. So I'm at home in the right. bedroom. Right, right, right. I'm coming with the idea. And mind you, I have, I'm not a keyboard player. Yeah. I'm like 18, 19. Right. So I, you know, struggled to get the little yeah. chords together for That's Way Love Is. I'm sitting there. I got the thing together. I just start crying like a baby. Like, oh, wow. Wow, I, wow. One, I'm happy about what I did. Yeah. Like, wow, well, I kind of feel this. And I wasn't going to let Byron and Marsh, Byron, I wasn't going to let the guys hear. I was like, you know what? They're not going to like it. Right, right. So I let them hear. It's like, well, it's cool. We uh, went into um, a studio in Oak Park. Chris Cuban did the demo. Right. Sent, to, uh, sent it to Merlin. He said, you know what? Go ahead, go in the studio, finish that one. Then once we finished that version, sent it out to him. That's when he, he got Tim Richford involved. Right. They brought in. So I'm not the one playing the keyboards on the piano and all that. So I'm keeping it real. <laughs> right. I'm not the one doing all that. Right, right, I'm right. with no tech at that time. So right. uh, whoever they brought in, they laced it. And then that was the first single for, for the album. Uh, the so now, did the first single come out as what you guys did in the studio or did Hurley's version remix come out at the same time? They all came out at the same time. Okay, so who invited Hurley to do the remix on that one? Steve said It had to be Marshall or Byron. Okay. Because gotcha. I knew Steve. Right. But I didn't know Steve. You know, from playing at the Bismarck Hotel yeah. or the Hotel yeah. Continental, you know, we was all in the hot mix five. So in that circle, but you yeah. know, I didn't know Steve, know Steve. Right, so right, right. it had to be Marshall or Byron Stanley. Yeah. So at that time, did they do a video for That's the Way Love Is? We did the video in London. In London. We did the, yeah, we so was London. was Atlantic supported? Supporting that video, yeah, 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 okay. they supported because because you know when you you know you in the music industry, you know you had to be in the UK two weeks before your release. Yeah, so we were over there like maybe three weeks before the release, and this guy was just like so. I forget the guy's name, a, a brother who did the video. He's like, so I want to do you guys video. I want to do you guys video. Right. All right, cool. You know, you all in. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. And that's the best thing to working with a producer, where it's a video producer or yeah. a song producer that you in the conversation. Of the creativity, the, right. the creative uh, aspect of it. So right. he did an excellent job. So what workers was really huge over in the UK at this time, which you know on on your first album. That's the way love is was big. Of course, devotion. That's okay. the cult classic. Right. Um, right back to you did very well. Oh okay. Um, so take us to the process, like doing the album. This this is your first tour, right? Mm-hmm. If y'all did the tour over there. 
take us to the process on, on when you first heard about that and y'all was like y'all going on tour in the UK. That is the most intoxicating, uh, exhilarating experience ever. Right. Um, to looking at how you create the song. Yeah. To like seeing people like ah screaming and shouting and like wow this is cool doing top of the pops. Yeah. You know several times. Right. Yeah. You know it, it's a it's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. You know, but the downside of it. Okay. And this is what all, I believe all artists deal with. You have this splash bang. Yeah. And you get all the support. Right. And then when you get the down period, everything kind of slows down. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you do your next one. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah. it's either. Right. Yeah. You know. So you can get caught up in the hype really right. easy. you always want that first, like that yeah, first you want the, time. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like the first kiss. Of you, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going the first one I bust one. You want that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So how, how much were you guys on the road during that time? We were on the road a lot. Okay. So just looking at after we did Translink, coming out as Tenth City, we start doing a lot of track dates in New York and New Jersey. Okay. So we were on we were out like almost every weekend. Right. You know, making you know fifteen to twenty five thousand every weekend doing wow. track dates, and yeah. that's amazing. That's that is amazing. At that Back time, then. yeah, you know, yeah. And, and so so like one night we could do like seven clubs. Wow, limo up. Oh yeah, so fifteen yeah, minutes yeah, on the real yeah. arm. Blah, 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 yeah. Get the money. Get the limo. Go. We was gone. Right, right, right. <laughs> so what 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 shows or any of the shows that you did? What shows stand out the most to you? Zanzibar, Jersey. New Jersey, Jersey, Bentley's. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. now explain why. Well, one, the sound system. I hate to say, New York on sound systems. Right. Had, get Chicago get, get down. Right. Sound system amazing. Yeah. The energy. It's a different. Energy. Okay. It's a totally different energy. And That's what I mean Tony by Humphreys DJ Zanzibar. So so yeah. what I mean by the energy is that like we know what the energy was like at the chosen few event. Right. Okay. The energy in New York, I would say, people go more into themselves. Yeah. Meaning when they come to hear music, it's, it's the, them and the music. Right, right. Fuck everybody else. I don't yeah. care if I got holes in my socks or shoes. I'm here to relief and just take this entire journey, this spiritual journey and right. get whatever I got on my system, out my system. And and just the dancing is just, you know, yeah. the dancing styles, you know, with the baby powder on the floor and the slide <laughs> and the stuff. It's like, man, check the wood floor. So right, it's right, like, right. so it's more conducive for a dancer. Yeah. I'm a dancer. So, yeah, yeah. So, when I, so when I create music, I'm thinking of, What's gonna make that person dance if yeah. the person's into the beat? So, so that's a, that's something I know is very distinctive between the right. energies in Chicago and New York. Okay. So those clubs emulated that. And right. Even Bentley's, that was a money. You know, those are like the posh. Right. Like, yo, you coming in, your hair getting messed up. Yeah. Right? You ain't finna hold that hair. <laughs> right. So after the first album, so you you did a total of how many albums on Atlantic? We did three albums on Atlantic. So we right. so the foundation album. Right. The State of Mind album was Atlantic. Right. And then Sylvia Rome, who at that time, she was 
president or something like that for the the black division for Atlantic. Right. Now, she was getting ready to... Then they gave her her own label that started was East West Records. That's right. So in her key man clause, she was able to take certain artists over to East West. So she took us, Levert, Mickey Howard, I want to say Escape. Okay. Like five or six group that in her, in her contract clause, we went over there. Nice. So the third album was on East West, and that was the No House Big Enough. Okay. Didn't know House Big Enough. Right. And then, I know she don't like me, I don't care. So we were trying to get off Atlantic. Okay. We didn't want to do the third album. You said uh, Sylvia don't like you. She don't like me. Okay. I don't care. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so he called me Be Rude. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I love you. She said, so, so we like, okay, this, this is a game plan. We getting off of this label right. because they not respecting us. Okay. So we all charged up. Right. We had, I think, Doc Brown's our manager. Right. Rick Smith, he was the manager. Uh, uh, New Edition. Okay. Um, what's her name? Jewish lady. She's a bomb. She's a. She's like one of the top dogs in the industry as attorney. Uh, in Chicago? No, Ida Myback. Oh, okay. She's like... Right. Hitman, the book Hitman? Right. She's in that book. Okay. <laughs> so she was our lawyer. And then, of course, me, Brian Hurt. So we all in there, da 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 so Sylvia's like, so, so baby, what you, so what you saying is our fault? Yeah, you just take our music, just throw it out there. I threw a magazine. <laughs> you just take our music, just throw it out. You don't do shit for us. Right. You just throw it out there. You giving out points away to other artists. <laughs> so, wow. So now I see like, okay, I know they not going to do anything with this album because I'm a clown. Yeah. And then Herb said, oh, so what's wrong with our music? Got to do another album. As soon as he said that, and then they're like, well, we, if you do this, you do like, Man, why you say that? Right. You got us locked in. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, wow. So Byron and Herb were like, you know what? Let's do a garbage album. So we got, no, no, we don't do a garbage album. Yeah. That's free money to do a resume. Okay. If y'all don't want to, if y'all want to drop the ball, fine. I will put the work in and make the give all I have because I know we can get at least $250,000 for the next deal. Right. Columbia. $250,000. Really? Yeah. Wow. You got to do your best. Yeah. Because you do some garbage and I look, what? I see why they dropped you. Right. No, you got to get, in everything you do, give your best. I've always been a stickler. Give your very best. Right. <clears throat> so that's how we get to, to Columbia and to get the fourth album. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. After Sin City went on like a hiatus, did you ever think about doing a solo album yourself? I thought about it. Matter of fact, I did. Um, but I wasn't really comfortable with myself. Right. I didn't fully love myself. Okay. Um, to where I'm at right now. Like, you know, Brian, you have nothing to lose. Right. And I'm not the world's greatest singer. I don't have to sing the album. But, but as far as production, right. I got some ideas yeah. to, to make it happen. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh-huh. That, that's gotta ha- that has to happen. Right. Yeah. So at that time, after Ten City, take us to... What happened with Byron Berg after that? <clears throat> so we did our last show November 4th of 94 in the club in Hamburg, Germany. Okay. And the guy that brought us over there, his name was Michael Suter, who franchised a brand of cause and effect from Italy, Remini, Italy. Right, right. Mauricio, so, Mauricio, Mauricio Massimo. Right. So um, for that particular gig, I told Mike, yo, you know what? So the last year with Ten City, I want to spin. Okay. So as soon as we finish 
You think we did That's Way Love is a devotion the last song? Right. I ain't even bow on stage with the guy. I just grabbed my crate, went and got on turntable. This is it. We done. That's it, huh? Dang, I know we can play. Yeah, I can play. Right. So from there, Michael Studer started booking me over to Germany doing some gigs. Okay. And um, like I said, I had my condo in Oak Park at that time. And me and my fiance at the time I had to go through some stuff. And Mike was booking me over, booking me for a gig over there. I just happened to call him like, hey, Mike, I just want to thank you for bringing, you know, booking the gig. So it was like, what's going on with you? So I explained what's going on. Right. He said, well, why don't you come over here? Huh? You come to Germany. You know, I can um, I can use your help with the booking agency. Mm, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, I got my daughter. I got my equipment. Yeah. You can, I know you got your daughter. I can make sure you get money, you know, there every month. Right. You know, your equipment, you know, we can ship it over. Anything else you need to get. Yeah. You know, I'll just buy it because he's a millionaire. Right. So I said, you know what? Give me a minute. Let me talk to my mom. My mom, I said, if my mom would have said, Byron, no, you know what? She said, Byron, no, go. Right. I said, what about my daughter, Lexi? No, she's going to be fine. Go. Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. And that piece, and she was sick at the time. Right. So my mom said that. I was like, Mike, all right, I'm up. So like two or three weeks later, I was out. Moved to Germany. Wow. So, so that was in October the 20th when I uh, landed in Germany. Okay, and then how long did you live out there for? Um, I was there from like October to, <laughs> I'm going to say September of 97. Okay. And that's when my life took a dramatic change. Okay. So, again, I'm over there. So, the first event that we did in Germany was the Marlboro DJ Academy. Right. And that's where um, we get all the top major clubs in, in, uh, in, in the major cities in Germany. Right. And then I brought over the top DJs from America to oversee like the actual contest. So what we did was we picked the eight, the eight best DJs in each city. Right. And then we flew over the top American DJs for the actual battle. And whoever won that battle opened up for that star DJ. Oh, nice. So I brought over Farley, okay. Tyree Cooper, Masters at Work, right. Dan Teneglia, Benji Candelario, Ralphie, right. um, Rosario, yeah. Ralphie Rosario, this was the DJs. Yeah. So for the final, because uh, matter of fact, because me and t- now in, in, in that particular tour, they spent millions of dollars on marketing. Right. Kiosks. We had trucks wrapped. Right. Billboards. Each city. Right. So me and Tyree, we did Dusseldorf. Okay. Uh, Marsh, uh, and then uh, Kenny and Louie, they, they opened up for the first night of the tour in Würzburg at okay. the airport club. But in any case, at the end of the actual, when it came down to the actual battle, uh, the star DJs with Denny Teneglia and Benji Conlario, uh-huh. and then the winner of that battle, we uh, I we all we flew over back to America, and I had them play at the Sound Factory Bar. Ah, okay. You know, so okay. that was the first thing, right. and then um, you know doing you know bringing all we had the number one booking agency in, in Germany at the time. Okay, and matter of fact, it was, a, it was a magazine called Parties On. It was so bad, right. they had me as a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you that you did that monkey, whatever. Oh wow, get out of here! <laughs> but did that, and and I began to notice that all the artists and DJs that I'm bringing over, they not talking to me. So I discovered that Michael Souter okay. was taking my the contacts I was bringing over and slandering my name. Oh. When I found that out, right. Besides his girlfriend making a racist statement, yeah, <laughs> to one of the other clients, right. I said, you know what, what you gonna do? One studio, break the whole studio down. All my equipment on one side, all his equipment on the other side. Right. I did this letter. You got to pay me $150,000 and this shit is done. Right. He came to my apartment 
which he owned the entire third floor, yeah. with his lawyer said, you got to get out right now. Oh. With all your stuff? Oh! On, with a, a bag and two crates of records. That's it? That's it. So he kept all your kick my, Kick me off the premises on the spot. No cash, none of that stuff. So now I'm like a nigga free. Oh, wow. In another country. Right. So I've struggled from 97 even to this date. Wow. Yeah, I have not been able to stand firmly on the ground since that fucking date. Oh, my goodness, B. Wow. Moved to New York. Okay. I, I'm, I, stayed, I was in New York from 97 to 2003. I'm, I'm living every homeless, all type of shit. No money, didn't know how, all type of stuff. So why didn't you just come back here, man, and try to- I ain't had no place here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. There was no place now, here. Now, did anybody know that, or- did you not really, okay. not really. Okay. You know, I mean, those who were there, like Benji, yeah. Don Welch, you know, yeah. that was, you know, right. that I connected with, they knew what I was going on, right. but no, they just, no, I was just fucking out there. Yeah. You know? Wow. Out there, homeless. Oh my God. Didn't know my next meal was going to come from. See, but is, I look good, though. Yeah. I went through all that, baby. <laughs> so take us from there to present right now. So I just got out of Cook County. Uh, uh, fighting a tent murder case. Okay. Cause this guy is supposed to be my friend drugged me. Right. Um. So I was there. The incident happened July 29th of seventeen. Okay. Two thousand seventeen. Yep. Then my feet touched the ground at, at Cook County, okay. August the first. Um. I was in Division Eleven. You know, Max Super Max. Right. Um. I stayed in the cell more the majority of the time. Right. Did my studies, you know, praying, meditating, learning yes, legal work and everything. Yes, sir. Um, learned the law. Not from the space of learning statutes and stuff like that. I began to understand how they make their money right. based upon a class I took in 1999 going to Stanford University. Right. So at that time, my first wife worked for United Airlines. So I used to take, and this, and this is going through all that time, I didn't really have a place to stay. Yeah. I would take a 7 flight from LaGuardia Airport for all of the Stanford University for a two-hour course called Biz 16 Startup from IDEA to IPO, basically take, teaching you how to take an idea and make it a public company and everything. Right. And that understanding of what it takes to research a company, yeah. how they make their own money, I, that was my full approach to Cook County. Right. How do y'all make your money? Yeah. What's the laws and things? And I'm like, oh, y'all. Wrong. <laughs> Y'all wrong as hell. Right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, I'm finna get you. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it to your face. Right. And matter of fact, after I filed my affidavit, yes. several days later, my judge was on CBS News for a battery charge. Because okay. I had his ass in Rico. Him, the state prosecutor, and the court reporter. Y'all lied. Oh wow. Yeah, so they yeah, they went crazy. Well they, man, it's, it's it's good to know that you're back on your feet, we're getting on your feet. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see you. And, and when I saw, I'm like, I had to get your story out, man, because people don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you can people can talk and assume a lot of things. And this this is what the show is about is about hearing it from the horse's mouth mm-hmm. and not getting it rumored or people talk behind your back. Right, right. You right here, right now, telling your story, mm-hmm. man. I think, and I'm honored and I'm privileged that you were comfortable to do this on the show, man. And I appreciate it. No that. problem. It's a lot of people like, oh, you got cancer. Yeah, I got smoldering multiple myeloma, bone marrow cancer. It's the type of cancer you look at termites inside of wood. Right. It's eating everything inside out through my whole entire skeletal system. Like, wow. oh, this is numb. This is numb. But knowing that, like, they, oh, I'm so sad. 
Why? I'm not. Yeah. Because one, I'm a realist. Right. Everybody on the face of this earth is gonna pass away. Right. And who's to say that cancer is gonna be the thing that kills me? I right. can go, I can walk down these stairs and score you down with the stuff and right. trip down the stairs. Yeah. So I look at I'm not looking at cancer gonna be the thing to take me out. Right. Period. Yeah. Well that's good. Hey brother, I'm praying for the best. Thank you, for, sir. For all just good for you, man. And and like I said, it's it's this house culture that we got into that made us the way we are right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anything you need from me, you know, you got it, brother. Just ask me. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, and I'm here for you. I appreciate you doing the show, B. Anytime. Uh, is there anything else you want to get anything clear while, mm-hmm. while you're on the show right now? All right. First of all, all you people in the house music scene, y'all need to get y'all shit together. All this ego stuffing, I'm not going to be no advocate about, oh, I'm this, I'm that. What I'm about is supporting. If I show up, if I pull up and see you, I'm here to support you. All this stardom and shit, you ain't shit. Get over it. Grow the fuck up. This is a movement, like the, like it says, uh, what's that thing from Jack? What about from Jack? Uh, no one oh, owns no, house. Right, right. You don't own house. I don't own house. It's our house music. So it's time for us to start sharing each other's information, posting stuff like that. If you're too big for that, fuck you. I ain't got no time for you. I'm about supporting the movement. I'm looking for soldiers. We need, all of us are in our 50s and 60s and have no fucking retirement plan. All that shit's out there with EDM and all that other shit. So don't get mad at me. Wake the fuck up, Shelby. We got to get our motherfucking money. Period. Because we got it from disco R&B. They got it from us. They got our shit. So stop bitching and stop acting like you all that. We all together. Period. Get together. Hello. Oh, my God. Hey, on that note. Thank you very much. I love you, my brother. I appreciate you. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, brother. Peace. Peace.